0: How about another round of applause? Hey, there it is. Nice. <laughs> another round of applause for our band, Sean Higgins and the Splatter Zones. Let's hear it for them. <laughs> Isn't it fun sharing this space with the theater? Isn't that great? You never know what you're going to walk into on a Sunday morning. Not fun. I'm kind of curious. Well, I'm not that curious about what the show is like. Anyway, <laughs> but thank you to our band, and thank you all for being here today. So appreciate your presence with us. How about Howard on the announcements? Boom, 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 boom. Nice job. Have a round of applause for Sean. Thank you. Nice. I'm just glad I don't have to do that on a regular basis anymore. Thank you for that. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you all being here. Uh, Today, we are in part three of a four-part message series that we are calling, what are we calling it, Your Faith? And your finances. Now, if you missed the parts one and part two, you can always catch up online. HopeCCDelco.com. You can also just uh, access our, that content on your uh, podcast app. Just search for HopeCCDelco, all one word, in your app, and you'll find us there. Uh, but if you missed parts one and part two, you might want to catch up there because this is like one big, big message divided up into four parts. That's what we do. We preach like in these messages. We preach like them in a series because it's easier than you coming out and listening to me talk for like four hours, right? Isn't that better? So we just divide up the topic and we do it that way, right? Maybe some of you would like that, but probably not even my mom would like to listen to me for four hours. So, but anyway, um, so if you missed the first two parts, you can catch up there and uh, that content's available to you. Um, Part one, we basically talked about the fact that the church, it's our job as a local church to bless our community, to bless the people around us, to give to the people around us. And so when it comes to finances, when it comes to how our church thinks about finances, we don't take from the community, we need to give to the community. That's a guiding principle for our church. We need to be givers not takers. And the last Sunday, for those of you who are with us, you might remember we talked about investing and the power of investing and how every time we part with money, we should think of it as an investment because when you invest money, you want to see some kind of a return, some kind of benefit, some kind of, you know, some kind of return on your investment, right? Whether you're buying food or whether you're buying, you know, I don't know. What do you, what do you buy? What, what do people buy anyway? You know, when you buy stuff, you want some kind of benefit from it, Right? I mean, literally, when you invest in your retirement, you want that money to grow so you can live off it. And so when we give to charity, when we give to church, we should think the same way. We're making an investment, and we want to see some kind of return. And as a church, it's our job to be about the work of transformation in the community, right? We want to help people get to know Jesus. Those people who are already followers of Jesus, we want to help them live into their calling and really figure out what it means to live within God's boundaries and to flourish. And those people who don't yet know Jesus as their Savior, we want to draw them closer to Jesus and help those relationships form. That's the work that we need to be about as a church, that kind of transformational work. And so we want our investments to make sense. We want our investments to have a return, and that's the kind of return we're looking for as a church. And that's where we will pick up today. Now, you might remember last Sunday, we looked at that parable that Jesus told about the master and the servants. Do you remember that parable? And it's this parable about a master who is very wealthy and he gives all of his wealth. He entrusts it to his servants and he expects them to invest his wealth while he's away. And so the master in that story is Jesus and we represent the servants. And so here's what I'd like you to do as we begin today's messages. Do a little thought exercise for me. Would you, would you play along with this? I would like you to put yourself in that parable, all right? I know that seems ridiculous. And no, you don't get to be the master, all right? You have to be one of the servants in that parable. So would you visualize yourself in that story, okay? You're one of the servants. Jesus has just imparted some of his wealth, some of his stuff to you. And one day, he's going to return. And you will sit across the table from him. He's going to say, all right, let me see your receipts, let me see your bank statement. Let me see your credit card statement. And line by line, you'll go through and he'll take a look at how you invested his resources. Can you put yourself there? Can you imagine that? Wouldn't that be fun if we did that, right? (laughs) Now, listen, I don't want to like, you know, twist the word of God. I certainly don't want to do that, right? And I'm not suggesting... That there's going to be a day where you literally have to have that across-the-table meeting from Jesus where He looks at all your receipts and say, Okay, what did you do with what I gave you? I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen. But I do know that we are held accountable by Jesus. And I do know that He does hold us accountable for what He has given us. And so I'm not sure. I mean, that's a parable that Jesus gave, right, about a master sitting across. That's a parable. So I don't know that it's literally going to happen. But I don't know that it's literally not going to happen either. And so what I want is, I want to be prepared. (laughs) If this literally does happen, if I have to sit across the table from Jesus and he says, okay, what did you do with the time I gave you on planet Earth? I want to be able to present you. Well, here's an account of it. What did you do with the talents that I gave you? Okay, here's an account of it. What did you do with the wealth that I entrusted to you? I want to be able to give an account for that, all right? So for honest, that's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? To sit across the table from Jesus, going line by line to see how you use the wealth he entrusted to you. And so put yourself there. Think about that. That's your little thought exercise as we get started. Now, one thing that I've said about myself, and, you know, that you've, if you've been around for a while, you know this about me. I grew up as a church kid. I went to church just because that's what I did, and my parents made me, and, and I didn't have a choice. So I was a church kid, and as a church kid, I learned a lot about a lot of different stuff from the Bible. And one of the things that I learned about, and I had to be less than 10 years old when I first learned this, I learned about this thing called tithing. You guys know about tithing? It's like a Christian's favorite word, isn't it? Tithing, right? You know what tithing is? And tithing, this is what I learned about tithing. Tithing is giving 10% of your income back to God. That's what tithing is. So I learned about that as a kid. When you learn about it as a kid, in fact, the kids downstairs, they're talking about this right now. But when you learn about it as a kid, there's not really a lot of practical application because you don't have any money when you're a kid, right? You don't have a job, right? You're not like a little 10-year-old going into the coal mine with a hat. You know what I mean? You don't have any income. I don't know why that's what I think of what a kid's doing jobs. Back in the good old days, kids were allowed to work in the mines. Anyway, you don't have a job. And when you don't have a job, you don't have income. And so tithing is just something you learn about in principle. It's some kind of spiritual practice, some kind of discipline, whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, as I got older, there were a few individuals in the church that I grew up in, there were five guys specifically, five guys, not related to Five Guys Burgers and Fries, but there were five guys in, in the church that I looked up to. Did you do this when you were younger? It's not just me, right? We kinda, it's not just in a church setting either. You look, kind of look up to people and you look at people who seem to have their act together and say, well, how can I be more like that person, right? So there are five guys in the church that I looked up to and said, I want to be like them because they seem to know what's going on when it comes to following Jesus and how to live out their faith. And so, one of the things, not the only thing, but one of the things that all these five guys had in common was they were tithers. They actually did this practice. And so, again, growing up in the church, these are my experiences. I learned as I got older that not everybody does this, but some people do. And so, those five guys all did this, and they seemed, from where I was standing from a distance, they seemed to have their act together. They seemed to know what they were doing when it comes to following Jesus. They seemed to know what they were doing when it comes to finances. They were all fathers and they had families and they were able to take care of their families. And so I said, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do this thing. When I have some income, when I get a job, I'm going to be a tither too because I want to be like those guys. And so I made a decision to do that. And the point I made a decision really wasn't based on what the Bible says. I was not informed about what Scripture says about this tithing. I just did it based on an example. But then as I got even older... I became more informed about what the Bible says about tithing and giving back to God. And so let me share with you what I've discovered. Here's what the Bible says. This isn't about example or about here. It's just a good principle that some Sunday school teacher is throwing out at you. Now, let me tell you what the Bible has to say about this whole tithing thing. It all starts back in the book of Genesis. And you really can go back to the um, two sons of Adam and Eve, uh, Cain and Abel. And you see how they relate to God and they've got this relationship with God And Abel gives back to God from the first fruits. So that's what we're taught. And Cain does not give his first fruits back to God. I don't mean literal fruit. In fact, Abel took care of of livestock and animals. And so he gave the first. The first, some kind of percentage, doesn't say how much. He gave something back to God. And it really was just a symbolic gesture back then. He gave it to God up and said, God, I'm dedicating this to you. I trust you with this. I trust that I'm going to be able to live off the rest if I dedicate the first fruits to you. And so his brother Cain didn't do the same thing, and there was some jealousy. It doesn't work out great, okay? Read the Bible for yourself. you figure out what happened between the two of them. And so that's where it starts. And then a little bit later on in Genesis, we meet a guy named Abram, who later God renames Abraham. And so Abraham's on this journey, and God puts this incredible call on his life that he's going to be the father of a great nation, the nation of Israel, and that's true, and that does eventually, several generations later, come to be. They are a great nation, but it starts with one man and his faith and his following. And in his journeys, Abraham meets a man who is both a king and a priest, and he is named Melchizedek. That's how I've heard it pronounced. Melchizedek. Is that how, John, is that how you heard it pronounced? Melchizedek? Yeah, all right. So we agree on that. And this guy, he's the king of Siloam or a king of peace, so he's a king of peace, he's a priest of peace, and some people think that this guy is actually a theophany or a Christophany. Those are some fun biblical words, did you know those are? He's an appearance of God in the flesh in the Old Testament, or an appearance of Jesus in the flesh in the Old Testament. And so he's some kind of king of peace, some kind of priest of peace, and Abraham presents this man with a tenth, a tithe of all that he has. That's what a tithe is, it's 10%, a tithe, a tenth of all that he has. Then we move further on, into we're still in the Old Testament, we get to the book of Exodus, then we get to the book of Leviticus, and when we get to Leviticus, this whole tithing practice gets formalized and becomes an actual law. And so here's something that's important to remember about the nation of Israel. There was no separation between, in the beginning, there was no separation between, okay, the law of the land and the law of God. It was all one thing at first, okay? The only president they had was God, the Israelites. The only king or prime minister they had was God, and God gave them all the laws, and that was it. It was one one thing. No separation of church and state, no separation. It was all one thing. And so part of their laws were to give back a tenth to God. So now, now it becomes formalized, now it becomes a thing. And so God gave, do you know how many laws God gave the Israelites? We think of like we think of like the Ten Commandments, right? Well 10. That's easy enough. How many were there? Six, son? Oh, Really? That's a lot of laws. It's over 600 laws, OK? If you want to read the book of Leviticus, and we will be doing that in January, by the way. Start reading the Bible. We won't get there. Anyway, um, but we will be starting that Bible reading program in January. We'll get to the book of Leviticus. When you see that, there's a lot of laws that kind of, I shouldn't say kind of, that really did define for the Israelites how they were to live, and one of those laws was to give a tenth back. Well, here's what we know about the Israelites. They lived a long time ago, sure, but they were human beings, just like you and me, and they failed to live up to God's standards in the same way that we would, Okay. And so one of the ways they failed was with this tithing practice, okay? And so you had some Israelites, I don't know the percentage, I don't know how it broke down. You had some Israelites that were really devout in this and trusted God and said, okay, God, if I give you this tenth, well, as you have commanded, I'm going to trust that I'm going to be able to live off the 90. I'm trusting you in that, God. And so you had some devout Israelites that acted that way. You had others that kind of tried to cheat the system a little bit. Yep, I'm going to bring a tenth to God after I pay off these bills. Then, then the tenth, which isn't first fruits, right? Then I'll give a tenth. I mean, after I, well, maybe, maybe I'll give them a tenth of like, what's left over after I'm done paying my bills, right? And so you had people kind of trying to cheat the system a little bit. And then you had people just, well, I'm just not doing this, <laughs> right? I'm just opting out. Can you do that? I don't know. Let's see what happens, right? And so you had that. And so the whole Old Testament, basically, did you know this about the Old Testament? It's basically the story of God and this one nation. And how they go back and forth and back and forth and how the people cling to God and God blesses them. And then they stray from God, they turn their backs on God, and he disappears. And they go, "Whoa, God, where were you? We missed you. We were in trouble when you weren't with us. And so it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. My goodness gracious, and so the nation eventually divides, it becomes two different nations, it becomes Judah and Israel, and then eventually they're all taken captive, and they're held captive in a foreign land, and then eventually they're allowed to go back to Jerusalem, and so they trickle back to Jerusalem, and so they've been through so much, so many generations, and guys like Nehemiah and Ezra remind the people of who they are, what God has commanded them to do, and they're like, okay, great, thank you, and so they, they kind of remind the people about the whole tithing thing, too, it's like, oh, well, you didn't have to bring that up, but thanks anyway, guys, right? And so they're reminded of who they're supposed to be, and they have to rebuild their city. They rebuild the temple, and it's nothing like it used to be back in Solomon's Day. But they rebuild the temple, and they rebuild the city walls, and they have to build them out of rubble, and it's not quite as beautiful as it used to be. But they rebuild it, and then they face more troubles. And they realize that, okay, here we are. We're God's people, but where's God's blessing in our lives? Where is it? And you get to the days of the prophet Malachi. Malachi talks to the people. He gives God's message to the people. And he addresses why. Why aren't we being blessed? Why aren't we receiving God's blessing? And Malachi tells them, well, here's what God has to say about why you're not receiving God's blessing. One of the big issues that they had was their worship. They just weren't committed to worshiping God. They'd go in kind of half-heartedly, and should we assemble somewhere? Should we go to the temple? I don't know. Is it really that big? They were just kind of going through the motions half-heartedly, maybe not showing up, finding other things to do instead. Oh, it's too cold to go out. Maybe I'm not going to worship today, right? Or maybe there's an Eagles game on, so I'll just stay home and not worship today, whatever it is. Oh, that's silly. They didn't have Eagles back then. Anyway, but they were finding these reasons not to, not to give in to worship, and it was like, well, what's going on? And so part of what God says is, well, come and worship me so I can bless you. It's so funny the way we human beings are. I know that was a long time ago, but, but people haven't changed. Especially us Christians, we wonder, why isn't God blessed us? We're like, well, God says, here's what you got to do, and I'll bless you. And we, we're not doing it, and we wonder why we're not blessed. Anyway, so that was one of their issues was worship. Another one of their issues, you might be surprised to find out, was their giving, was their tithing. And so you had people saying, okay, well, listen, I know that we're supposed to do this thing, but... I'm not going to do it. I'm opting out. And then you had other people, like I said, doing this thing where they kind of cheat the system a little bit or fudge it a little bit. Okay, it's 10%, of, it's 10% of the net and not the gross or whatever. You know what I mean? They'd find their ways to not give the first fruits back to God. And so God calls them out on this. And this is from Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to pick up with verse 9. And so this is God speaking to the people about why they're not being blessed. He says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Verse 10, bring, excuse me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which is a funny way to put it. Bring 10%, 10% is 10%. Bring the whole 10%. What do you mean the whole 10%? 10% is 10%. Some people are trying to cheat the system. Bring the whole tithe, all 10%, bring it to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me, guys. All right. You guys have been through a lot, Israel. You've been here, you were taken captive, you've come back. We gotta have this relationship. Maybe it's test me in this. God, Almighty, is allowing the people to test him. If you trust me with 10%, you will be able to live off the 90. Trust me, and I'll bless you and I'll get back to you. And so that's Malachi. God bless you. And then we move to the time of the New Testament. Then Jesus comes into the world, and everything changes. Everything changes radically. And you know what Jesus has to say about all the laws in the Old Testament? You know what he says? He says, I've not come to abolish those laws, right? I've not come to erase those laws, but to fulfill them, but to complete them. And so he's not erasing the Old Testament laws. He's not Let's rip out the book of Leviticus now. He's not erasing any of it, but he is fulfilling it. That's why modern-day followers of God, those of us who are Christians, followers, that's why we don't bring animals to be slaughtered as sacrifices. That was the Old Testament law. Jesus says, you don't need to do that anymore. I'm fulfilling the purpose of that, the reason behind that. That's why we're allowed to eat Pork and shellfish, right? Back in the Old Testament days, there was no famous Dave's, no red lobster. It was off limits. But now we can eat these things, okay? I thought I'd get more of a laugh. That's all right. Now we can eat these things because Jesus has said, God has said, don't call anything that I have created unclean, okay? And that's why, here's the big, here it is, ready? That's why we modern-day Christians, we modern-day followers of God, don't have to tithe. We don't have to tithe. Would you like me to close in prayer now? Is that a good place? (laughs) We don't have to do it. Then why do we? Then why do some of us? You know, what about those five guys that I grew up knowing? Did they just not know any better? Did they not know? Well, Jesus said we don't have to do this anymore. He completed all. Why do people still do this? Let me give you a few reasons why. Here's one. The command is gone. The law has been fulfilled, but the promises of God remain. And the promise is this. God says to us, if you trust me with this, I will bless you. If you trust me with this, I will take care of you. If you trust me with the 10, you can live off the 90 and you will be blessed. If you trust me with this, I will bless you. The promise remains. The command has been fulfilled. And some of us Christians, I'll tell you what, we're just greedy for the blessing of God. We want it. (laughs) We want it. We long for it. And so it says, God, sure, if you're going to bless sure, I'll, I'll give you the 10. Now, let me just make a point to say this here. There's this whole, like, have you heard this term, prosperity gospel? Ooh, the prosperity gospel. It's this idea that if you give money to God, give money to the church, that you're going to become wealthy. No, 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 no. That's not the promise of God. God's blessing, well, you know, you know it can be manifested in, in wealth and abundance, sure, but God's blessing manifests itself in so many ways, in relationships, in support, in love, in seeing your community flourish. And the whole idea behind Malachi, and what he was saying is if you trust God in this, there'll be enough for everyone. You all will be blessed. The whole community will be blessed if you do this, okay? So there's a blessing there. So that's one of the reasons why people still tithe even though we don't have to. But think of it this way, when it comes to what we have to do as Christians, what we have to do in order to be saved. Do we have to be here on a Sunday morning? Yet, here we are. What are you guys doing here? <laughs> right? Do we have to read our Bibles on a regular basis? Well, I mean, it's good practice if you want to be informed, if you want to get to know God. But do you have to do it in order to be saved? No, and yet, yet so many of us do that too. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those things. You don't have to do it, but you choose to do it. Why? Because there's a benefit in it. There's a blessing in it. You get something out of it. So that's another reason why people do this practice. Let me give you one more reason why. Okay, I've got, I've got a list of them. Let me give you one more reason why. People do this tie thing so that when we get to this meeting with Jesus, he says, okay, show me your books. Bring forth the ledger, all right? Show me your receipts. When we have this meeting with Jesus, we'll be able to say, here's what I did first. 10% went right back to you. See that? See? We'll be able to go into that meeting with that much more confidence (laughs) and peace, Knowing that whatever else happened with the 90, okay, maybe we made some mistakes with the 90 that was left, the 90% that was left over, okay, maybe we, we didn't do a great job. But but at least we gave the first fruits back. And let me tell you this, guys, especially those of you who are maybe uncomfortable with this whole tithing thing, I just need you to know that tithing is just the beginning. Because what Jesus demands isn't 10% and it's not 20%, it's 100%, right? The tithe is just the beginning. And so those of us who are tithed, one of the reasons we do it, we just want to be prepared for that meeting where Jesus says, show me the books. We say, here you go. One of the reasons why we do that. Now, our friend, Mr. Andy Stanley, I consider him a close personal friend, don't you? Andy Stanley is a fantastic preacher, pastor at North Point Church, all-around great dude. If you're not familiar with Andy Stanley's teachings, look him up on YouTube, great guy. Anyway, he does this little exercise about our finances and our money and how we use our money i got so many tables and props today, it's insane. And so what he does is he basically says there's three different ways we can use our money. Did you know that, Open? There are three different ways that we can use our money, three different things we can do with our money. We can save our money. That's one of the things we can do with it, okay? We can give away our money, or we can use it to live. So these are the three categories. Again, I'm citing Andy Stanley. This is not my idea, okay? We're here. And so basically he does is he challenges us, he challenges Christians, he challenges the people in his church and Christians all around the world to think about our priorities, okay? If we had to align these things up, what's our first priority? What's our second priority? What's our third priority when it comes to how we divide up our spending, our using, our resources that God has given to us? What should come first? Now here's another thing about following Jesus, all right? If you decide if you're not already following Jesus, and you think about you, maybe I want to do this following Jesus thing. Here's what you need to know: so much of this life is counterintuitive and countercultural. You just need to know that. All right, you can't just follow along with what everybody else is doing. No, it's a count. It's a way that's counter to that. All right, so here we go. Which one of these should come first? What are we going to do first? Now, a lot of people would say this is a no-brainer. I mean, come on, live has to be first because you have to live to be alive. Come on, what is this? This is easy, right? The first thing you need to do with your money is use it to pay your bills and buy food and keep a roof over your head and provide for your family. This is number one. Clearly it's number one. Now some people would even go so far to say as, dude, I don't have three categories. I only have one category. I, don't, I can't divide my money three different ways. It all has to go here, It all has to go here. If it doesn't all go here, I'm not going to eat. You know what I mean? So, some people believe that. And here's the thing if you're feeling like that's your story, that everything you have needs to get poured into this one category, here's what I need to tell you. That's either true or it's the perception. Now, there is a difference between what we need and what we want. You all know that, okay? And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more later. But it's either the perce- if you feel like it all has to go in here, that's either your perception or it's the reality. If it's the reality, you ready for this? If it's the reality, that's a pretty strong indication that you're living beyond your means, okay? If 100% has to go here, all right? Now, I'm, that's not me being judgmental, and that's not me telling you something you don't already know, right? And you just need to know who it is who's speaking to you. I'm not a trust fund kid, okay? I'm not Bruce Wayne. I'm not Tony Stark, all right? If you you like Marvel, whatever. I'm not one of those guys, all right? I know what it's like to work a full-time job and then a part-time job on top of that just to make ends meet. I know what it's like to go to bed hungry because you can't afford... Like, I've been there, all right? You know what I mean? So I'm not, like, proclaiming this from a place of abundance. Hey, look at me. I'm just saying, listen... If there's nothing left, if it all has to go in here, and if that's the reality, it's a pretty strong sign that you're living beyond your means and something needs to change. Okay, let's go back to the three here. We've got live, what should come first, what should come next, what needs to happen here? All right, let's talk about this save thing. Now again, these three categories were from Andy Stanley. What do we do with the save I'm a little bit unsure of this one, okay, where this should fall, where this should, which, which should land. Should it come like, okay, first we live, and then if we have any left over, we save? Is that what we should do? And if there's anything left over past that, then, then, we, then we give? How should this work? Is that how it works? Like, first you've got to pay your bills, then put a little bit in the savings, and then if there's any left over, you give it back to God. If you were to arrange it like this, guess what's going to happen? You're never going to make it to the third one. <laughs> If it starts here and then goes to here, there's never going to be a three. There's never going to be a third priority when it comes to your spending and giving, right? And using your finances. You know what I mean? And so what Andy says is, wait a minute, what if we did this? What if we followed this biblical principle out of free will? Not because we have to, but because we see the wisdom in it. What if we made this number one? What if we were percentage givers a tithe, a tenth. What if that was given first? Because if you give first, then you're sure to give. If you wait till last, it might not happen. What if we gave first? Now, what Andy says is that this should come next. And I'm going to tell you this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily a biblical principle. I mean, it makes sense, and it's wise, right, to save. But there are some conditions attached to this. Some of you are familiar with another parable that Jesus taught about a man, very wealthy, had a fantastic harvest. He was landowner, had a fantastic harvest. He said, wow, I am set for life here. I'm going to tear down my old barns. I'm going to build up new barns so I can store all this grain. I am set for life. And that very night he died. He came face to face with God, and God said, you fool. You could have used this to help other people. So here's what I'll say. As long as give is first, save can come second. As long as give is first, save can come second. There's another condition here. You have to give, okay? This is just Josh Schaefer talking, whatever. What do I know? You have to give Jesus full access to this. Maybe you're saving for retirement. Maybe you're saving for a new car. Maybe you're, whatever it is, you need to give J- Jesus full, give him the pin number, give him the code, whatever. He needs to have full access to this because you may be saving away for your retirement and Jesus could say to you, listen. I need you to go pay for that person's education. I need you to go pay for that family. They, just, they lost their home. You need to go buy them a new home. As long as Jesus has access to this, then you can put this second, and then live comes third. What do you think? How's that look? Hello! You're going for my new favorite couple, aren't you? Is that what it is? It's like I'm going to pay you for that. Hang on. So look at what we have here. By the way, if you're wondering why there's a thing of hand sanitizer up here, this is why. I'm going to touch money. It's creeping me out already. All right. So here's what I have: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, glad it worked out. I could do the math on that one. So here's one way I go about this. Here's a wonderful way that honors God. First, tenth tithe goes to goes to give. Right. And then look how much. It's only one of the ten. Look how much you get to keep and use. Look at that. It's just, it's, are you kidding me? Just one? That's all God asks for back is one. If we do that, he's going to bless us just with a one? That's crazy. And if you look at that, it's like, you know what? I even have enough to do this. I can even save. And that way I've got it in case there's an emergency or in case God needs me to give extra. or can I can even save. And then the rest, my goodness gracious, I get to live off this? Wow, what an amazing God we have, right? What an amazing God we have. This is taking forever putting all these money, okay. (laughs) Look at that. What do you think, guys? Wow. I like this. It's not perfect, but I like it. I think we're missing a category, though. I think we're missing a category. we got re- okay, to reset here. This is going to take some time. We'll get all this money out. we gotta, we got to reset here because I think we're missing a category because there's more than just these three things we can do with our money, right? Can you think of some other things we can do other than live and save and give? This is just messy, all this money. Ugh. What else can we do? Let's reset, put them all over here. There's one more category, and Andy doesn't talk about this category, but Josh is going to talk about this category. There's this. What about this? What about non-essentials, right? Let's not pretend we live in a world where all we do is use our money to take care of our basic needs and that's it. Come on! This is America. We live in a first world country. And the problem, one of the things that we struggle with as Americans is this. So often, we don't know the difference between this and this. Only in the first world... Will you hear phrases like, I'm so poor, I can't even pay my cable bill. <laughs> I'm so poor, I can't even afford to upgrade my phone. Really? No, 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 no. See, if we just say there's three categories, that's not, that's not reflective of our lives as Americans. We don't know any other way. We know all, I mean, it's just how we grew up with non-essentials in our lives. Now, non-essentials, this covers so much. It covers everything from like fantastic, wonderful, luxurious, month-long vacations in Hawaii, that's a non-essential, all the way from that to your Netflix subscription, right? Everything from season tickets to that cup of coffee you bought at Wawa. You have coffee at home. Why'd you do that, right? You know what I mean? Everything from this fantastic, oh, I'm going to buy a new house that I don't need and I'm going to do this, everything from that to getting drive through on the way home when you have food in the fridge, right? Our lives as Americans, they're just filled with non-essentials. And like I said, we just have a tough time telling these two apart. And if you don't pick up anything else from today's message, maybe, maybe this is it for you. We need to take a closer look at what we actually need and what we don't and reevaluate how we use God's resources in our lives. And so how should this happen? How should this breakdown be? And so here's where things get complicated, all right? Let's just stick with non-essentials for now. Here's where things get complicated. Here's the category where we, and this isn't just Christians, where we people can be so stinking judgmental of others, right? They spent what on what? Ooh, must be nice, you know? We can get so judgmental towards other people. There's no place for that in the kingdom, right? This is also the category where we can get so defensive. Well, yeah, we bought this, but the same thing is we had a really good year, and this happened, and we went, hmm. We don't need to get defensive, and we shouldn't be judgmental, and we just need to know where this lines up in the list of priorities. Here's the other thing about this category of non-essentials. This is important. What does that scripture passage in your bulletin say? It was just a couple verses Josh read for us. About honoring God with our wealth, with the first fruits. Here's the thing. Anytime, okay, anytime that you have dishonored God with your wealth, it has been in this category, in non-essentials, okay? You know what I mean by that? I don't, I, I mean, I don't want to give examples. There's no one to do it. You know what I mean by that? I mean, there's some easy examples. And you know, if you've been around long enough, you've heard my sermon on drinking. Have you heard my sermon on alcohol? Have you heard that? Yeah. What, what, anybody want to tell it for me? What is it? Hey-oh, right? Bible doesn't. I can't tell you that the Bible, that Jesus says you're not allowed to consume alcohol. I can't tell you that because the Bible doesn't say that, right? And so we can. We can consume alcohol. We have freedom there. Bible does say Old Testament and New Testament, don't get drunk. Forbids drunkenness. And so, what happens, right? (laughs) What happens? All right, you go out with your friends. Fantastic. That's wonderful. You're having a great... You're allowed to go out with your friends. You can go to that restaurant. You can go to that that, um, pub, should I call it that? You can go to the bar. Fine, go to the bar with your friends. Have a good time. Buy a drink. You're allowed to. You have freedom there. Then there's another one. And then there's another one. And now you're dishonoring God with your wealth. You're not acting the way that you should be acting, and you lose control of your, and maybe there's a fight, or maybe, maybe you're just not reflecting what it means to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ anymore. Meanwhile, you've poured so much into this that when Sunday rolls around, there's nothing left for this. See what I'm saying? And I'm I'm sorry about the alcohol thing because that's just such an easy example, but there there are so many more ways that we dishonor God with our wealth. Instead of investing in giving, we are investing in our sin. We are investing in the the deterioration of our spiritual selves. So so many of us think, and this is like so common in Delaware County, so many of us think that the problem is we don't have enough money. I don't think that's the problem for a lot of us. I think the problem for a lot of us is that we're investing too much into this category, non-essentials. I'm not saying that all non-essential spending is bad. No, 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 no. There's some great non-essential spending, sure. What I am saying is this. Anytime you've parted ways with your money and lived to regret it, it's been in this category. Now, we all know, all right, where things should line up, all right? If we're gonna try to follow the biblical model, if we're gonna try to do this the wise way and the right way, here's what it should look like, Okay? My challenge to you is this. Is that what it looks like in your life? How many of you are willing to take that challenge? Anybody? Go home. Before you have that meeting across the table with Jesus, go home. Have your own meeting with yourself. Take a look. What's the percentage I spent here? What's the percentage I spent here? What's the percentage here? What's the per- How many of you are willing to do that thing? How many? I'll tell you a story. It's a couple I know, they became followers of Jesus as adults, okay, saved as adults. And I was talking with the husband, was talking with the guy, and he shared with me that one of the first things that they started doing as a couple was they started tithing. That was like one of their first spiritual disciplines. And I said, well, that's very strange. <laughs> that's usually the last thing that we Christians surrender to Jesus is our wallets. And they started with that. I said, why did you start with that? And here's what he said. I committed the statement to memory. He said, we couldn't afford not to. And what he meant by that is this. They were a paycheck-to-paycheck couple, paycheck-to-paycheck family, which a lot of us are, just the reality, right? And so here's what their lives are like. They get their paycheck, and the first thing they do is they go to the beer distributor, and they'd invest there, right? A couple cases, bing, bang, boom. And so tithing, when they tithe, here's what happened. Let me show you. Oh, this is so dirty. Here's what happened when they started tithing, okay? (laughs) Tenth went there, then, they weren't able to do that quite yet, but the rest went in to live, and guess what? They weren't able to invest in their sin anymore. There's so many of us who feel like, well, we can't, I can't afford to give back to God, when the reality is maybe, maybe if you emptied some, some stuff out of here, you could afford to give back to God. I have another challenge for you. Let's just go for it. If you don't tithe... Have a conversation with your spouse if you're married. Why don't we tithe? (laughs) Talk about that. Hey, maybe the answer is because I don't want to. You don't have to. There you go. That's a perfectly acceptable answer. I don't want to. You don't want to receive that blessing from God? That's fine. You don't want to tithe? That's that's fine. That's up to you. If the answer is this, though, if the reason that you don't want to tithe is because you're not comfortable giving 10% to this church, well, there's a solution to that. Give it somewhere else. Duh. Find another church. Give somewhere else. Find another charity. Find another cause. I can help you find another cause. I mean, the bottom page, the bottom of your bulletin. I mean, we're fine budget-wise. This is not what this message is about, right? If your only discomfort is that, well, I'm not sure about that Hope Community Church. Are they really? No, if that's, if that's your concern, give somewhere else. But the challenge is out there from God that we can test Him in this. We can give him the tenth, and if we're able to, save, have so much left over to live, and you may discover that you even have some room for this too, right? The challenge is out there. Are we willing, are we willing to reprioritize? It's not going to happen accidentally. Are we willing to reprioritize the way that we think about money, the way that we manage the resources that God has given us to make giving first, What I would say to you is this, if you're not going on this whole 10% thing, just start with a percentage. Just start with a percentage, because that means you're giving, even if it's 1%, that means you're giving first, that means it's going to happen no matter what. Are we willing to do that? I'm reminded, years ago I read this article, it was was Mother Teresa, she was being interviewed. Are the kids going nuts downstairs, what's going on? (laughs) anyway, so Mother Teresa, not a, anyway, she was being interviewed by this guy who worked for the New York Times, and he said to her, you know, he's there with her, he traveled with her throughout Calcutta, she's giving shoes out, she's helping sick people. He's like, how could God allow something like this? And you know what she said? Don't you go blaming this on God. This is people's fault. It's because people don't share. If all of us Christians, okay, not all the people, just all of us who follow Jesus, all of us who self-identify as Christians, if we made giving our first priority. Can you imagine the impact we could have globally? Can you imagine? What about just locally? What about just one church? What if we made giving our first priority? What kind of transformation could we see? Maybe we could get rid of poverty altogether in Delco. I think we could. If enough of us, Prioritize giving first. We could impact this community and then the rest of the world. You know, there are people working on just that, trying to eradicate poverty. It's not that lofty of a goal. It seems that way, but what's required first is for us to make giving our first priority. We could do so much. We could do so much in this world if we gave first. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for all that you have given us. First and foremost, God, I thank you for sending Jesus into this world to be our Savior, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. We thank you for that, Jesus. Father God, we thank you for the relationships that you've brought into our lives, for the people who have been there to be examples to us, for the people who have supported us and loved on us. Father God, we thank you for the ways that you have gifted us and given us unique abilities and unique insights and perspectives into this world. And Father God, I thank you for all the resources you have provided to us, including our finances. And Father God, I know that so many people in this room have worked so hard, and I know, God, that you honor that and you cherish hard work. And at the same time, we just give you credit, God, because without you, we'd be lost and we'd have nothing. Father God, we thank you for all the ways that you have blessed us. And Lord Jesus Christ, allow us to be a people who desire to honor you with our wealth, to honor you with everything we have, including our wealth. Father God, allow us to be a people who prioritize giving back to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Josh.